Welcome to Integral Yoga Podcast. Today I'm joined by Ryan Rockwell, who's the founder of Grow Yoga Biz, and also worked as the online marketing manager for Yoga Journal for some time. Ryan, thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, of course, it. excited. So I'd like to start with this question. What matters to you? Uh, authenticity and feeling like I'm doing the right thing. Um, it's often why when I feel like I'm aligned with my personal practice, when I feel really authentic, you know, that I'm really honoring what it is that I want for my life. So, yeah, authenticity. I just I don't want to feel like I'm feeding people BS. And what's in between you and being authentic more of the time? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Who I think I need to be, uh, what society thinks I need to be. Um, living with my past tendencies that have a tendency to repeat themselves. Um, so getting out of the social programming and my own programming. Are there any strategies that you found helpful for you to get out of the social programming and find that more truer, authentic self? Yeah. Meditation, you know, just the awesome practices as well. The way I describe it is that meditation for me, because I have a tendency to be very reactionary. You know, and it's not good, especially when you're running a company with a bunch of people working for you. You know, you want to be able to take a step back. So what meditation does for me, it's that like it gives me that half second that I'm thinking about what I'm going to say first before I just blurt it out. And so that half second is a lifesaver for me because I need that half second to literally sit with what am I about to say and what intention and energy am I about to put out there? So yeah, I need that half second that meditation affords me. Do you think also it's a comfort with silence of not necessarily needing to say anything at all? So therefore what you do share, what you do say is more authentic because it's not coming from a place of just needing to fill space, mm-hmm. it's coming from a place of, okay, I, this feels real to me. Sure. I'm going to say it. I, I wish I could be at that point. I wish I could be at that point where I'm just, can I be alone with silence uh, by myself most of the time? Yeah. Can I be around people? And I mean, that's the people I really connect with when you don't have to say anything. You literally just don't have to say anything. And is that the case most of the time? No, I'd say 75% of the time, if not more, it's, you know, you're feeling out the person in some ways energetically to get to that place. And maybe you just bring that energy in and then they just follow. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm still following the path and trying to learn my way through this. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, So turning towards uh, Grow Yoga Biz, uh, why, why do you do this? How did you get to this point and why, why is it what you're investing your time in doing right now? So my story with yoga is pretty interesting. Um, 2002, I went, I was in this, I've always been really into weightlifting and working out. And so I'm at this gym and there's a yoga class. I, there might've even been a pretty girl in the class and that's why I was going to go to it. I don't know. It wasn't because I was just like, whoa, what is this yoga thing? 
I was probably intrigued because the the guy, again, this was like a kind of real beefy type of muscle gym. And then all of a sudden you see this guy walk in with a tie-dye t-shirt and like hemp pants. And you're like, that's different. So the first class, he had like five handouts. And I'm like, man, like this is too much. So I don't, that, that was my overall like feeling from the class. So fast forward two years later, I am stressed out. Like I used to do loans, like mortgages, help people get into a home or refinance their home and just stressed out working 60 hours. And for some reason, this mantra, yoga, 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 yoga just came to me. And I like, it was repeatedly like just like over weeks. And I was like, I've got to like find out more about this. So I was like, all right, do I want to take yoga class after yoga class after yoga class? Or do I want to just go through a teacher training and I can learn it like that? I can do my own personal practice. I can learn what this is about. And so I called, you know, there was only two teacher trainings back in 2004 that were going on at that point in my local area. So I called them and uh, Wiley Yerkart, never forget the man. He found out like that I had only been to one yoga class. And he was like, why don't you come in? You know, check this out. Make sure it's for you. So I think I'd already said in my mind, no matter what happens, I'm going to take this teacher training. So I went in and, and, and started taking like I went and came in like on a Saturday and immediately within a few hours, I was like, dude, we're good. So that began my nine month journey. Like it was every other weekend. And then on the second month, we took a pilgrimage here to Yogaville and <laughs> like I finally, cause yeah, it was great to go through the asanas and learn some of the yoga scriptures and cool, but to be here and see this visual of what yoga represents. Oh my God. Like it was absolutely amazing. And I remember Swami Priyananda actually had come in and spoken to our group just kind of about Yogaville and just about yoga in general. I immediately went home and just threw myself in my personal practice I used to have really bad anxiety and depression at times. The anxiety was always constant. It was like very bad social anxiety. It was so bad at one point that I would be driving to the grocery store. I'd be 15 minutes away and I'd be thinking what I was going to say to the cashier. It was that bad. So anything that gave me a break from that suffering, which yoga did, like I grabbed hold of. And I'll come back to that. So go through the teacher training, um, come here throw myself in my personal practice. I start coming like once a month to the ashram because I only lived like two hours away. So it was like my, my safe haven. And uh, fast forward, yoga saved my life. It, did, it absolutely did. I would not be here in the seat right now talking to you if I had not found yoga. I would have checked out a long time ago. Absolutely. So when I... I ended up going back to school and I had gone straight out of high school, went four and a half years, just was not in a good frame of mind, partying my butt off. Fast forward till I'm 34 years old and I'm like, I want to graduate. I want to get my bachelor's, but I want to get in something I love. And Naropa University out of Boulder, Colorado has a yoga uh, bachelor's degree. So perfect. So I go there. They, a part of your bachelor's, you get your 500 hour teacher training. So I went through that, graduated and 
to fast forward, you know, to truly answer your question is because yoga healed my life. And I knew marketing. I knew how to actually show people how to grow their business, their following, their tribe. And I said, where can I do the most good in the world? And I said, if I teach yoga teachers how to market themselves and reach more people around the world with the message of yoga, this is going to heal more lives. This is where I can do the most good. And part of it was selfish because I knew if I taught yoga teachers, it would hold me accountable to the path. Mm. It would keep me where I needed to be, you know? And, and that's why I started Grow Yoga Piz. Do you think that being a yogi should actually give you an edge in business? Hmm. I've never been asked that question. Yes, because at the heart, business is just a relationship. And I feel like if you can quiet the mind, you basically have a greater opportunity to be present in that relationship. Um, again, practicing yogi to practice my mind or to, to quiet my mind, but Absolutely. I think there's also a certain respect uh, that comes along with people knowing that you're in the yoga space. It actually opens more doorways. There's more trust in that, in that regard. But yeah, business, if it's done right, is just about a relationship. So is marketing. And do you find that maybe because the normal association with uh, yoga maybe is could be a poverty mindset, maybe like kind of a nomad. Sure. Um, that that is an obstacle when you're working with clients to um, rebrand their image of yoga oh. to say, okay, I can, Absolutely. you know, I, I need to sustain what I'm doing yeah. and that even that it's okay if I make money from what I'm sharing, uh, kind of redefining that relationship with business. Um, is that an important part? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely. I have to address it right from the start. I have to tell people, listen, I do not confuse money with inner fulfillment at all. And the thing is, is that because yoga had created such a healing in my life, I put it up on this huge pedestal along with like spirituality. And so anything to do, because eventually I actually lost my mortgage company. I lost everything, my house, my car, everything. You know, and I was devastated because I had such an identity around those things. So it literally just brought me down to nothing. And so at that point, I started teaching full time and I resisted. I resisted the marketing and anything to do with business because that was painful to me. That was corporate. -y. This is the good. This is the bad. And finally, just over time, I, I began to heal from that. And I realized, as I said before, that yoga Money, meditation, marketing, business, all of these things are just terms and they have no energy, only the energy that we bring to it. It's like a brick. You can begin to build a home with it or you can throw it through a window. It takes on the energy of that person. So I have to, in many ways, show yoga teachers that, listen, there's nothing wrong with money. There's absolutely nothing wrong with money. And 
again, simply learning how to market yourself is not about me, me, me. What you're doing is you're just simply marketing the message of yoga. And you're allowing more people that have not had a chance to hear the message of yoga through maybe your lips and how you interpret it. That's what's going to help this person to really understand for themselves. Because you can have 10 people say the same thing, but for some reason, like you're going to like pick up on someone, you're going to connect with them more so than you will the others. But my point is, is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with sharing your message and providing a true benefit to the world. And if you can actually just get away from saying, I want to make more money, make it your mission to create more value, bring more value, bring more benefit to the world. And as this beautiful byproduct, you just simply make more money. Did you always believe that or through experience have you come to believe that if you just focus on the value that the money will just be the byproduct and you'll be. Oh, I I had to. Yeah, I had to go through many learning lessons. I mean, the way money was treated in my family was. Money was never I never felt free around money because money was used as a way to get respect. In my family and also for you to love me. I'm going to give you money so you need to love me. I'm going to give you money so you are really indebted to me. And that is the relationship that I have with money in my family. So I never felt free around that. I had to come to so many, I had to look at money at so many different angles, you know? And the thing is, I just want to help people feel abundance in their lives. Like if you can simply as a healer, if you're helping someone to truly wake up to the truth of who they are, because I see yoga teachers as spiritual teachers who are waking people up, you know, a mind, body, and spirit. And so if you're doing that and you're getting a benefit as well as they're getting a benefit, there is a win-win situation there. And that's what we want to create is a win-win. We don't want to get it to where you're the sacrificial lamb of the yoga community. You know, that you're giving, you're, you're filling up someone else's cup, but you're taking away from yours. Fill your own cup up. You know, like we, we all, we've all learned about filling our own cup up so we can help others fill up their own cup. And I could go on and on about that, but yeah, I'm just really passionate, obviously, about healers feeling like they can take care of themselves. And it's okay to take care of themselves while taking care of others. And is... Is there a better way to be a teacher than to just lead by example, right? You're trying to teach your students about self-care. Mm-hmm. And then as you're saying, if you're not doing it yourself, that just doesn't work. And maybe that yeah. leads us back to your overall point about authenticity. But there's no way around that. Or is yeah. there uh, this phoniness when you present yourself other than something that you are? Is that a, a recipe for success or is authenticity the, the real success? The freedom to be yourself is the real success. You know, the freedom to share your life if you choose to. Um, but that's, a, that's just the one thing, like, you can't look at what society, I mean, I look at things like Instagram these days, and, and there's so many carbon copies of, of 
of each other. And a lot of times uh, they're doing things, I think, often against what they feel like is against the path of yoga, but they're willing to do it if they feel like there's a greater good there. Mm-hmm. And I see these people like, you know, slowly exposing more skin and more skin and more skin. And it's like, listen, you do not need to do that in order to bring people to the message of yoga, because if that's what you do, it's not going to be sustainable because you're not going to look this beautiful forever. I would rather people come to the message of yoga through the actual scriptures, through the study, through the, the teachings, than your outward appearance. And you mentioned coming here to Yogaville, to the ashram, and it being extremely important for you to see a whole community mm. of yoga. Do you think that's important for the world of yoga in general to realize that yoga is more than just a physical practice of exercise, that that's only a small part of it, that yeah. yoga is really perhaps a way of living. Yeah, I'm so up and down about that um, because you, especially if you come from this like purist mentality, you're like, oh my God, this is yoga. But you think this is yoga. That's all you think of. Like everyone in society is like, this is what yoga is. And it's like, no, it's this. <laughs> And the thing is, is I go, again, I go back and forth. I do get upset by that sometimes, but then I also realize if that's how people come to yoga, that's how they start their journey. Fine. Just get their foot in the door, you know? And if they, if yoga does touch their lives and touch their heart and touch their soul, in which it will, if someone has the true intentions and continues to practice, it has... has this just balancing and healing it just lets the body do what it's supposed to naturally do i think in a way it's reconnecting with how the body is supposed to naturally perform and hopefully from that experience someone begins to open their minds to okay well how can we take this a little bit further There's something to this. Why is this working? Hmm. And I don't even care if they come from like, you know, you know, they like need to know everything about how it works. Fine. If you got a scientific, you know, mindset and you want to figure out how everything works, fine. So be it. But as long as there's the continual questioning, if there's a, a curiosity about the path of yoga, then that's 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 all that we need. That's Spartan. And so if it comes to the asana, so be it. And perhaps maybe also becoming comfortable with associating yourself with the word yoga. Like, oh, I'm someone who practices yoga. Like that's the also the initial step. And uh, and I wanted to ask you about this as well for men in particular, because I think for a while now it's been much more culturally acceptable for sure. women to be practicing yoga. Okay, no big deal. Now for for a man to practice yoga, you have to move a little outside of the box. And as more and more people are, are, are moving outside of that box, then it cha- changes the, the actual box itself. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I'm just curious your feelings on men in yoga and, and just the state of yoga right now. Like, do you feel like you're fi- you have a finger on the pulse of, you know, how much it's growing and. Yeah. You know. I, I mean, for me, a lot of this has to do with like how many conversations are being started around 
yoga and men being involved in that conversation. That's where I kind of gauge the proper. Uh, yeah, you could look up keywords and you could look up how much are being things are being searched and stuff like that. And you could try to find a yoga journal study of how many men are actually coming to class. But for me, there is this energy around the world of men allowing their feminine voices to rise. Like, and then there's pain for the ones that don't. There is such a yearning to honor the divine feminine across this world. And the thing is, is that that is what hurt me for the longest time. Growing up in a military family and testosterone and I'm the man, I'm the leader, I'm the alpha. Yet we don't want to talk about our feelings. We don't want to talk about hurt and pain. We don't want to talk about death and how that makes us feel. And the thing is, is that that is what I felt like was silenced as a child and as an adolescent. And it was yearning to come out of me. And then, you know, and, and when it did, it went all the way in the other direction. And then I had to slowly bring it back to some middle ground. And is the outcome of that loneliness when you share that experience of, of being younger and kind of this pressure to be an alpha? And I felt that in my life a tremendous amount. Uh, and just as, as the meaning of life being competing against other people. How do I stack up against other people? Like mm-hmm. that's everything. It's just human beings yeah. being in competition <laughs> with each other. Yeah. And isn't that such a lonely place oh, to be? Oh God. It, it's like we're walking around and, and then we're like trying to figure out, all right, I'm better than that guy. I'm better right. than that one. Oh, they're smarter. Okay. They're, they're a little bit above me. Okay. I'm better than this person. And it's like this jockeying, like, am I better or worse? Am I better or worse? And like basically trying to protect yourself if you're worse, like, or it's, you know, it's, it's just like, it's like we're walking around kind of like, you know, the seagulls in Finding Nemo where they like <laughs> land on the light poles and they're like, mine, 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 mine. Well, it's like we're walking around going me, 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 me. And it's freaking yeah. It's, so it's exhausting, exhausting because it's, it's almost, I think, uh, maybe a, uh, an addiction behavior. Oh, it's sure. like, when, when can I get the next hit of winning the game, of feeling superior? Okay, I got, and it's never ending, right? It's so at some point, maybe you catch on to that game and you say, I don't want to play that game anymore. I played it for a long time. I'm still playing it to, to mm-hmm. many, many levels. Um, I mean, absolutely. There, there, is, there is many things in life that I do. And I talked about this earlier, simply that I feel like I should be doing in a lot of ways, because I was such a screw up, like, like to people around me, whether in high school and also college, like I just was totally always getting into just trouble, doing stupid things. And so people look down on me and I feel like in a lot of ways, me doing what I do is to be like, see, see, I'm good now. I'm good. And a lot of like, you know, that is to my family, you know, like, see, guys, I'm good. I'm a good person. Like, I can do this. I can do good things. See, I'm smart. And I just, you know, I got to let go what people think. I mean, it's just not going to serve me. And it's again, it's fleeting. So what if they approve of you today? They're not going to necessarily approve of you tomorrow. And then it's just that up and down battle. And perhaps that's what yoga really is about 
is letting all of that go, how we're seen by other people, and then stepping into this acceptance of the self, which is total liberation and freedom, actually what we want. Okay, this is this is how I am. I was made this way. Um, and then perhaps it even becomes a duty, as you're talking about, uh, to share with other teachers. Like, you also uh, have a right to be here and to be who you are. And is there anything more important than that? Is more of us stepping into that place of freedom? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I will say to teachers out there, because many of them are holding back. There's so many teachers, because I, I, we believe truly at Grow Yoga Biz that yoga is going to heal this planet. And in order for that to happen, yoga teachers are going to have to step up. They're going to have to speak their truth. They're going to have to step into their power. And that's not ego. It's not. The ego is just simply thinking that you're separate from everything else. And so yoga teachers need to be able to share their life, share their story, and just honor their love for this path. And there's just there's there's this one quote from Pema Chodron that always comes to mind. It's literally it's one of my favorite quotes. It's if you're waiting for the perfect time to teach, it will never come. And there are so many teachers who are waiting for the perfect time to teach. There's so many teachers who do their 200 hour and never teach after that because there's this fear of actually really getting started and putting themselves in that, you know, in that limelight. There's many teachers even that have their 500 hour. I encounter so many teachers who've gone through 20 years of teachings. And it's like, when are you going to give yourself permission to step up and actually truly teach besides playing it safe? No one is going to crown you and say, hey, now you're good. Mm. Now you're good. Crown yourself. Step into your power and crown yourself. And that again, that it's scary. It is absolutely scary. That's one of the things that I find for yoga teachers. It is scary to share your story, share your truth, be vulnerable. But is there any other way to live? Because if not, then you're living in fear. And it's scary to live your life in the light. I know because I lived in the darkness for such a long period of time. I stared at a microphone for three weeks before I recorded my first webinar. Because I knew that once I put my voice out there, my life was never going to be the same. Never. Never. And that scared me to be held accountable to other people. Because I just was such an introvert and I just didn't really share my life. Because I was embarrassed by it. I was embarrassed by fear. I was embarrassed by anxiety and depression. When, I, when the social anxiety was the worst in my life, I walked around like this cocky mm. freaking dude because I would rather you think that I am full of myself and push you away that way than to let you see this vulnerability of anxiety that I'm living in. It's crazy. Mm. Our vulnerability, do you think it's the most valuable thing that we have to offer? Hmm. 
you like to ask me tough questions. <laughs> it's fun. I'm going to pause while I think and drink this water. I don't know. I don't know. And, and I ask it in relation to what you're sharing too. And I think about the word purpose, right? Um, and the question too is, 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 it, is it important to realize that we all search for purpose or I guess, do we all search to have purpose? However, we want to define what that is. Yeah. And then is that purpose for us found when we become vulnerable? Is that finding purpose when, when we do that? You know, I always come back to being okay with who you are. And uh, I think being who you are is vulnerable. I, I think by, by, by definition, but just simply being you and expressing yourself that could be against society, could be against what your parents want, you know, could be what your grandparents want. You know, how many of us grew up, basically, this was the path that was laid before us. Like, we have a general sense of this kind of, like, range that we stay in that, you know, for most people. Now, there are exceptions, parents who are just freaking awesome, you know, let their kids kind of let the world simply train them or just allow to have faith that they're going to grow up the right way. But I feel like there's a lot of us that they have this path that we feel like is laid before us. And once we like, like get outside that, you know, we have to be willing to basically break the rules that are self-imposed that are passed down in order to just simply be free. I'm not saying you have to be a rule breaker in order to be free because there's without a doubt, there's freedom within form. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to be willing to take risks by being yourself. And by simply doing that, by definition, you're going to feel vulnerable. And I think it's just a necessary part of life for, I think it's also, I feel the most alive when I'm vulnerable it's scary, but also, you know, that, that sense of excitement, but also laced with fear. And listen, this is a rabbit hole that I could go down for, <laughs> forever. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, an, it's such an important ingredient. Is it the most important ingredient? I don't know. Yeah. Straight answer. I don't know. Yeah. Do you discuss with your clients um, the process of, taking the first step or two in these directions that are scary to put yourself out there, to start teaching more, to do these types of things. Um, do you find that really that first step or two is the most challenging and that if you break through that barrier, then it becomes a lot easier? The first step is to get clear on what it is that you want. And when we work with teachers, it's, you need to get clear on the vision for your life. And before we even talk about business, let, what do you want for your personal life? What do you want for your health? What do you want for your relationships? What do you want basically for your lifestyle? And then how does the business you want to create fit into that? 
what I find within the path of yoga is that because we're taught that to go beyond the wants and desires is where true freedom lies. And I, by the way, of course, have absolutely agree with that. I find that yoga teachers don't honor the wants and desires. They don't actually give themselves permission to say, you know, this is what I want. Because what I've found is that it's those unfulfilled desires that in many ways hold us back. If we would simply give ourselves permission to go after them and we begin to achieve them, then it's so much easier when you're in that state of abundance to see beyond it, to see beyond the wants and desires. Then when it's like, you know, a, a carrot being dangled in front of your face and this is the life you want, these are the things you want. You've got to give yourself permission to like go after it. And I think that once you do now, of course, there's certain wants that you wouldn't want to go after. Like it's going to break the law, but I'm just addressing that. Allow yourself to create the life that you want. And when you begin to achieve it, it's so much easier in that state of abundance to see beyond the wants and desires. And I think that is a huge step for teachers is to get clear about the vision that they have for their lives. Answering the question, what do I really want? is one of the hardest questions to answer, but we gotta ask it. Mm. We gotta answer it. What do I really want? Mm. You know, Because then we have a path as we move forward. We know where we wanna go. You know, and that doesn't mean you're not living in the moment because you've thought about the future and what it is that you want for yourself. This place, the Satchananda Ashram would not be here if, if Swami Satchananda did not have a vision, you know? And so allow yourself to want what you want to want. And that's the first step. I was reading on your, your website um, about hard work. It seemed that you were trying to motivate uh, potential clients or yoga teachers that this is gonna this is gonna be hard work. Yeah. Right. Um, my question is: Does hard work need to be unpleasant? No, it doesn't. I mean, there there can be a joy in doing what you're doing, doing what you love for a living. I work my butt off, but I love what I do for a living. In relation to like efforting and then just what comes natural let's think about meditation don't you have to effort before it becomes natural you know it's i helped uh market the book running with the mind of meditation it was written by uh a tibetan lama and which is surprising he just he was raising money for tibet schools is sakyam mipam rinpoche and he said developing a solid base for meditation is like developing a solid base for, for running. It takes about two years of solid practice before it starts to become effortless. And so there are times in our lives that we need to, to work hard because I think in, in, in essence, it also stretches us for growth. I think growth by definition is uncomfortable. I mean, good Lord, I've been looking at questions like, did I feel loved as a kid? I'm reading a book right now. And it's really looking at in like in a deep, deep way. And, you know, crying my eyes out. It ain't easy. It ain't comfortable to answer that question. But I think often hard work is required before it becomes a natural process in your life. Yeah. I think about balance a lot, too. 
and even in the conversation between, you know, earlier associating what it means to do yoga and then business mm-hmm. and then finding ourselves in one camp or the other. Mm-hmm. Either I'm going to be totally against business or I'm going to be totally into business. Do you find that it's important to kind of uh, move into more of the in-between space of things and find balance um, in order to to be successful? Hmm. I think you definitely have to heal or you have to get clear about like what is it that you feel like for instance when we work our students they go through a belief exercise how do you feel about money success business marketing uh, goals and it's identifying because again a lot of our programming comes from how our parents felt about these things you know and we've kind of taken that on I, I use the example often of my dad, we fished a lot and he hated jet skis because it, he's like, it scares away the fish. Mm. So naturally, as I got older, I'm like, man, I hate jet skis. <laughs> but uh, balance, I think, is, is without a doubt you coming to peace around those things and understanding that they're just terms, that there's no energy around it. I think that's the basis for you to be able to move freely and be successful because if there's still a, a belief around any of those terms that like it's not within the path of yoga, um, it's, it's bad, you know, to be successful or I really shouldn't have a lot of money. Cause I thought for a long time that if I had a lot of money, my, my associations were that I had to be materialistic that I had to be um, live unsustainable with the planet and that I had to be basically ignorant to the ways of the world. And so I had to Google literally philanthropists around the world who were give, doing incredible things, people who were making like $24 million a year and donating 23 million of it to charity. And after I found those key figures, I was like, you know what? I give myself permission to make money so I can give back. I give myself permission. So there needs to come healing around those terms in order to find that balance. Because if you have not come to healing around those terms, then there's going to be something that's going to hold you back. And often when we see people who experience success and then they lose it, it's because it's around a belief. And then it's because it's unsustainable. If there's a belief that it's not the right thing, it's you're going to find a way to screw it up. So... It's amazing how many things come back to our belief structure. Do you mean that if, if the belief is not pure, if your belief is that really I'm doing something that, that, I, don't be, that I don't believe in yeah. or that I don't feel good about, yeah. that ultimately that's going to come back to you and oh, yeah. reveal itself? Yeah, because if you don't feel good about it, then basically you're gonna, your mind is going to find a way to like live in alignment with that. You know, you're going to find a way to, to satisfy that belief structure. So if you put yourself out there, let's say that you decide, okay, I'm going to grow my, I'm going to grow my following. I want to put this, this as much as message out there to the world. And let's say that, that you and some, you don't have a healthy relationship with money. You're like, if I have more money, then there's a fear around that. Like you have some beliefs that again, just like I had, if you start to be successful, it's not going to be sustainable. 
they're going to find a way to, to lose that money. And so that's why one of the first things that we need to do is like, let's get clear about what you're going to do as you go out there and put, share the message of yoga and how you're going to do it. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about marketing? How do you feel about actually promoting, let's say, an offering? So in some ways, doing sales. How do you feel about that? What, what comes up for you? And let's, let's examine that so that you feel peaceful as you put this out there. So that there's a natural passion that you live it. You live it. You know, you've got to live it, you know, and, and it just goes back to being authentic. Mm-hmm. If you're putting yourself out there, but there's a belief that it's not the right thing, then it's not going to be successful. Yeah. Or what, I, what I'm hearing from you, too, is that almost that you need to have fun with it. Right. I, I, for myself, too. Sure. I, when I think about marketing for myself, putting myself out there. It doesn't seem like fun to me to do. Oh, and I get maybe it. Maybe a lot of people feel that way too. But then I, I try to ask this question of like, okay, can I make it fun? Yeah. And is that an important part in this whole game? Oh, yeah. That's that's why after you've gotten clear for your life, after you've looked at the beliefs around like, again, growing a yoga business and all that's entailed in that, let's look at first, what are you passionate about teaching? What could you teach all day long? What within the path of yoga do you feel called to truly teach? And we call that, you know, your specialty, your niche. For some reason in the U.S., we're the only ones that call it niche. <laughs> I called it niche on, uh, on our webinar, and I get people, like, it literally once a week who message me, like, it's pronounced niche. And <laughs> isn't that the type of thing, too, that, like, makes it really intimidating to put yourself out there? Because you're never going to say every word correctly right oh, so yeah. you have to be okay with and it seems that there's so many people that are keyboard are, are, warriors that are what keyboard warriors keyboard warriors yeah exactly you're just it almost seems as if it's a lifestyle to find critique <laughs> in everything it's like a way of well, living you know it's it's like so you have to be okay with that so yeah absolutely there's people who are upset in life and they're like they're they'll take it out on like these messages you know we get trolled all the time on our facebook and instagram ads all of the time i literally one of my assistant one of my assistants her job like one of her primary responsibilities, not primary, one of the responsibilities is to go through our Facebook ads every day and to cut out negative comments. And yeah, I mean, you would not believe all the stuff that I've heard over the years, like yoga is not about money. You know, like you're what's wrong with yoga. I've heard it all. Mm. I've heard it all. And at first I got really offended by it. And I would love to say that I was I rose above it. <laughs> I would actually like send messages to people like, dude, have you even watched our webinar? Why are you commenting on our Facebook ads? You know, and this person's not even my friend on Facebook. So they might see that message six months down the road, you know. But like, yeah, I, I lashed out and that's not the right energy to bring to it either. I've definitely gotten a lot more, you know, but anyways, the point, of, you're right. When you put yourself out there, you're going to piss some people off. You're absolutely going to piss some people off, no matter what. And you know what? You've got to focus. You know, there's a reason why I have this bracelet that's engraved that says focus only on the good. Because if you focus on the negative comments, that's what's going to stay in your awareness. You're going to attract more of that. You know, 
Um, I'm almost forgot what we're talking about. So please. Yeah. I want to ask you about marketing techniques too. Um, more of a technical question, but I think it's pretty interesting in this new world that we're living in with all these different platforms and there's something else coming out all the time. So from a business standpoint, what do you see as being cutting edge marketing techniques? What do you find is successful? Well, I want to just, so we talked about, you know, honoring your passion, what you love to teach. So it's incredibly important to, to truly define that because we're always taught, pick a path, pick a path in life and go down it. And when you begin to actually pick like, cause there's so many teachers out there teaching like all these different styles of yoga because they're just trying to get as many classes as they can or try to get as many students as they can versus actually honoring. This is what I love to teach. And when you be, when you're actually rooted in that now you're like a, a lighthouse, you're like a beacon where people can be like, Oh, she's really good at that. And you actually become you're getting more referrals because you've clearly identified this is what I really love to teach. Once you've identified that passion, the next step is, okay, well, who do I feel passionate about serving? Who do I feel called? Who are my soul clients? Who's my true tribe? And your perfect client is basically, you, you look at that in terms of, you can look at this from a demographic standpoint, like what's the gender, what's the age, what's, but more importantly, what's their values, what's their interests, what's their personality, who is this person? And then what kind of pain are they going through in life? What frustrates them on a daily basis? What's the biggest mistake they're making in their life right now that's keeping them in the cycle of suffering? What do they want more than anything else? And we want to look at their pain, not to exploit it, but to create offerings custom tailored for that sole client Mm -hmm. so that when you go out to market yourself, you can speak to the thoughts and the concerns of what this person is going through. You can speak to their heart. We get teachers every day who say, I don't look at Facebook ads. I don't look at Instagram ads. I don't watch webinars either. But for some reason, yours spoke to me. And that's the point of knowing your perfect client because you can speak their language and they're like, Ryan gets me. He understands what I'm going through and it opens the conversation. So what we teach is to use webinars, which if you're trying to build a relationship with someone, the longer that you spend with them, the deeper their relationship. So these like little two minute content pieces that I see people putting out, do you know how many of those you have to put out before you begin to literally just garner some trust versus a webinar, which is about sharing your truth, sharing your life, sharing what you love. And talking to your soul clients, giving them a lot of great information, a lot of good content so that you begin to become the authority in that subject. You begin to get credibility and you begin to build a relationship. And then all you do, our whole philosophy is based upon giving a lot of good content and then simply giving people invitation to go one step further. So by giving, by being a leader, we establish that trust. And then we just give people the opportunity to go one step further to see if they want to explore that journey together. So. Again, I hear the emphasis on service. Of course. Providing value and then the other stuff just just comes. Like that that would be my biggest takeaway. It's just focus on on the service. Um, Yeah. Final question I'd like to ask. Um, What's one way that you would like to improve personally? Continue my personal practice.
you know, because discipline is has been a, a consistent subject in my life. I've actually, uh, you know, it's one of those things where like people know there's something good for them. Why don't they do it? And I've become fascinated by that. I've really become fascinated by that. And I'll just briefly say this, that there is a, a personal trainer and he was talking about how most of the people, when they start working out, they'll go in and they'll just, you know, go for gold and basically like kill their bodies to begin with. And he says, that's where you're, that's the energy of a push. You're pushing yourself. He says, go to the gym, go do something you really enjoy. Go shoot some basketball. And then once it becomes actually not enjoyable, stop and leave. Because now that place has become associated with something fun that pulls you. Because the push energy can only last so long. How can you make that a pull where you feel pulled to do that? So like if somebody was starting to meditate, don't try to be freaking a swami and sit down there for 30 minutes to an hour your first time around. Like start with five minutes, you know? Again, this is advice that I wish there was, you know, echoing back to me. Uh, but- it, it just makes me think of Ram Das. He, he says this thing. It's very related to what you're talking about. So people would come up to me and say, you know, I want to, I really want to meditate, you know, uh, three times a week, every week. And I find it difficult and, I'm really going to try to do it. And his response to them would be, don't. <laughs> don't do it. Right? Because you need this, this joy of what you're yeah. talking about, this pull. I love this. Uh, the difference in mindset between the, the push and the pull. I think that's really powerful. Personal practice is, uh, I remember I was at a retreat recently uh, with a, a teacher. His name is Mark Bredner. And he was talking about personal practice. He says, do it. Even when it seems counterintuitive, do it. No matter what, do it. Now, again, there's always going to be some form of efforting. But I am fascinated by this new approach of literally how can you create this energy of a pull to something that you think, that, that you feel like you need to do. And the other side of that is the shoulding. I should be doing it. When you think you should, you don't feel freedom in that decision. And ultimately, that's what we seek is freedom. So how can we create a situation where we feel freedom around that topic? Instead of, I should be meditating. I know I should be meditating for 30 minutes per day. I know I should be doing the asanas. And there's so many yoga teachers out there who are beating themselves up on a daily basis for not doing their personal practice. It's like, please forgive yourself, please, please forgive yourself and just come back to the practice. Please just forgive yourself. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well, please feel free to share and subscribe.